to our first guest. SJ Watson actually rules the galaxy. He did just win uh, the Galaxy National Book Award. See what I did there? Yes, thought about that for a long time. For Before I Go to Sleep, but, uh, Before I Go to Sleep, as I said, has just sold its, its 900,000 millionth copy, and it's sold to 37 different countries, and Ridley Scott's going to be making the... I'm being corrected from the front row. I didn't realise it was The Muppet Show. <laughs> 42... It's actually my agent. Anyway, 40, 42, um, and it's going to be made into a movie by Ridley Scott. Um, so in, in a wee while, it'll be even less escapable than it is. It is actually an incredible book. Um, it's quite dark, and it's quite disturbing, and it kind of made me want to pet him on the shoulder afterwards, because I thought, what disturbed mind did that come from? <laughs> Please welcome the disturbed but inspirational S.J. Watson. I'm going to read a, a couple of short sections from before I go to sleep and uh, with a little bit of a, a waffle beforehand. Um, the, the book, they say write what you know uh, and I've, I, I open my book with something which has never ever happened to me obviously which is somebody who wakes up uh, in a strange bedroom and doesn't recognise where they are and also <laughs> doesn't recognise the person that they're sleeping next to and thinks oh Christ what have I done and, uh, and, um, and uh, imagining, imagining themselves to be uh, in their teens or twenties perhaps um, does the only sensible thing to do in this kind of situation, which is to try and make an escape without waking their partner up, um, with whom they think they've had a one-night stand. Uh, but I'm going to read a short section from um, the moment when my character, Christine, who has woken up in this strange bedroom, uh, looks at her reflection in the mirror in the bathroom. <coughs> the face I see looking back at me is not my own. The hair has no volume and is cut much shorter than I wear it. The skin on the cheeks and under the chin sags. The lips are thin the mouth turned down. I cry out, a wordless gasp that would turn into a shriek of shock were I to let it, and then notice the eyes. The skin around them is lined, yes, but despite everything else, I can see that they're mine. The person in the mirror is me, but I'm 20 years too old, 25, more. This isn't possible. Beginning to shake, I grip the edge of the sink. Another scream starts to rise in my chest, and this one erupts as a strangled gasp. I step back, away from the mirror, and it's then that I see them. Photographs, taped to the wall, to the mirror itself. Pictures, interspersed with yellow pieces of gummed paper, felt-tip notes, damp and curling. I choose one at random. Christine, it says, and an arrow points to a photograph of me, in which I'm sitting on a bench on a quayside next to a man. In the photograph, we are both smiling at the camera, holding hands. He's handsome, attractive, and when I look closely, I can see that it's the same man I slept with, the one I left in the bed. The word Ben is written beneath it, and next to it, your husband. It's then that I get the glimmer that I associate with memory. As my mind tries to settle on it, it flutters away, like ashes caught in a breeze. And I realise that in my life, there is a then, a before, though before what I cannot say. And there is a now. And there is nothing between the two but a long, silent emptiness that has led me here, to me and him, in this house. I go back into the bedroom. I still have the picture in my hand, the one of me and the man I'd woken up with, and I hold it in front of me. What's going on, I say. I'm screaming, tears run down my face. The man is sitting up in bed, his eyes half closed. Who are you? I'm your husband, he says. His face is sleepy, without a trace of annoyance. He doesn't look at my naked body. 
We've been married for years. What do you mean, I say? I want to run, but there is nowhere to go. Married for years, what do you mean? He stands up. Here, he says, and passes me the dressing gown waiting while I put it on. He's wearing pajama trousers that are too big for him, a white vest. He reminds me of my father. We got married in 1985, he says, 22 years ago. You, what? I feel the blood drain from my face, the room begin to spin. A clock ticks somewhere in the house and it sounds as loud as a hammer. But he takes a step towards me. How? Christine, you're 47 now, he says. I look at him, this stranger who is smiling at me. I don't want to believe him, don't want to even, even to hear what he's saying, but he carries on. You had an accident, he says, a bad accident. You suffered head injuries. You have problems remembering things. What things, I say, meaning surely not the last 25 years. What things? He steps towards me again, approaching me as if I'm a frightened animal. Everything, he says, sometimes starting from your early 20s, sometimes even earlier than that. My mind spins, whirring with dates and ages. I don't want to ask, but know that I must. When, when was my accident? He looks at me, and his face is a mixture of compassion and fear. When you were 29. I close my eyes. Even as my mind tries to, re to reject this information, I know somewhere that it's true. I hear myself start to cry again, and as I do, this man, this Ben, comes over to where I stand in the doorway. I feel his presence next to me. Don't move as he puts his arms around my waist. Don't resist as he pulls me into him. He holds me. Together we rock gently, and I realize the motion feels familiar somehow. It makes me feel better. I love you, Christine, he says, and though I know I'm supposed to say I love him too, I don't. I say nothing. How can I love him? He's a stranger. Nothing makes sense. I want to know so many things. How I got here. How I managed to survive. But I don't know how to ask. I'm scared, I say. I know, he replies, I know. But don't worry, Chris. I'll look after you. I'll always look after you. You'll be fine. Trust me. So that's the kind of opening scene of the book. And I've got five more minutes, would you? Yeah, okay. So the book opens with Christine discovering that she has a rare form of amnesia, which means that she can remember things for the day. But then when she sleeps at night, her memories uh, vanish, and so she wakes up every day in the same situation. But I didn't really want to write a book in which every chapter started with the same um, scene. Although it would have been a lot easier to write it like that. Um, <laughs> quite repetitive to read. So um, I have a situation in which um, Ben, her husband, uh, explains that he goes to work during the day. And, uh, and he leaves her with instructions and, and um, tells her how to you know, navigate her life. And then she gets a phone call, and the phone call is from a person who claims to be her doctor. And this is Dr. Nash. And Dr. Nash tells her that he ha they have an appointment that day, and they, they he persuades Christine to meet with him, and they meet in a park. And I'm just going to read a very short, a short scene uh, where Dr. Nash, are talk uh, Dr. Nash and Christine are talking, and they're discussing the cause of her amnesia, and Dr. Nash has made a decision. He opens his bag and takes out a book. At first, I wonder if he's going to consult his notes, but instead he passes it across the table to me. Look, I want you to have this, he says. It'll explain everything, better than I can, about what's caused your condition especially, but other things as well. I take it from him. It's brown, bound in leather, its pages held closed by an elastic band. I take that off and open it at random. The paper is heavy and faintly lined with a red margin and the page is filled with dense handwriting. What is it, I say. It's a journal, he says, one that you've been keeping over the past few weeks. 
I'm shocked. A journal. I wonder why he has it. Yes, a record of what we've been doing recently. I ask you to keep it. We've been doing a lot of work around trying to find out exactly how your memory behaves. I thought it might be helpful for you to keep a record of what we've been doing. I look at the book in front of me. So I've written this. Yes, I told you to write whatever you like in it. I suggested you keep it secret. You've been hiding it at home. I've been calling you to tell you where it's hidden. Every day? Yes, more or less. Not Ben. He pauses, then says, no, Ben hasn't read it. I wonder why not, what it might contain that I don't want my husband to see, what secrets might I have, secrets I don't even know myself. A look at the book. I'm excited, a journal, a link back to a lost past, albeit only recent. Have you read it all? Yes, he says, most of it. I think I've read everything important anyway. He pauses and looks away from me, scratching the back of his neck. Embarrassed, I think. I wonder if he's telling me the truth, what the book contains. He drains the last of his mug of coffee and says, I didn't force you to let me see it. I want you to know that. I put it back on the table. A young man wearing jeans and a T-shirt comes in and glances over to where we sit before ordering a drink and settling at a table with a newspaper. He doesn't look up at me again and the 20-year-old me is upset. I feel as though I'm invisible. Shall we go, I say. We cross the road and walk back down to the house. He smiles. Goodbye, Christine, he says. He turns to leave but then looks back at me. Your journal has my numbers written in it, he says, at the front. Call me if you'd like to see me again, to carry on with your treatment, I mean. Okay? If, I say, I thought we had more sessions booked. You'll understand when you read your book, he says. It'll all make sense, I promise. Okay, I say, I realize I trust him and I'm glad. Glad that I don't only have my husband to rely on. It's up to you, Christine. Call me whenever you like. I will, I say, and then he waves and gets into his car and, checking over his shoulder, he pulls out into the road and is gone. I make a cup of coffee and carry it into the living room. From outside, I hear the sound of whistling punctured by heavy drilling and an occasional burst of laughter, but even that recedes to a gentle buzz as I sit in the armchair. The sun shines weakly through the neck curtains and I feel its dull warmth on my arms and thighs. I take the journal out of my bag. I feel nervous. I don't know what this book will contain what shocks and surprises, what mysteries. I open it. The first page is unlined. I've written my name in black ink across its center. Christine Lucas. It's a wonder I haven't written private beneath it or keep out. Something has been added, something unexpected, terrifying, more terrifying than anything else I've seen today. There, beneath my name in blue ink and capital letters, are three words. Don't trust Ben. There is nothing I can do but turn the page. I begin to read my history. So fucking creepy. I had the book thrust, in thrust into my hand. Um, by your agent, who I should say is our agent, and it's the kind of weird thing I've realised this evening is, is that I, I, I chose everybody independently and I realised afterwards that we were all represented by the same person. So who <laughs> says that publishing's nepotistic? Um, anyway, so I, I had it thrust into my hands by Claire and, and she said, read it, you'll love it, read it, you'll love it, read it, you'll love it. And it, and it sat there and I wanted to read, to read it when I would have time to read it 
all back to back because mm. I knew it was going to be that kind of book. And it is because truly, I, 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 I truly couldn't stop for myself. We, with the point, the point that you stopped is a, is a terrifying point. You know, yeah. this, this woman um, has, has woken up and she, she lives in the terror of an eternal present. Now, is that a real condition? Um, I didn't think it was, no. When I, when I began to write the book, my understanding of memory disorders, and I did a little bit of research about it, was that people with this kind of amnesia, which is people who can't form new memories, their memory tends to last for seven or eight minutes maximum. So they tend to kind of to not be able to remember things for an entire day. So like a goldfish. Almost, yeah. Right. yeah. So, they, so they've, got, they've got memories in that, in that day, but th or they've got memories from before that day, but not off that Sometimes, day? Sometimes, yeah. Okay. yeah there, are, there are different t types of amnesia. Okay. We could spend the entire evening okay, talking no, about sure, it. It's sure. quite fascinating, but... Yeah, but I, I didn't think her condition actually could exist, but I realised I wanted to write the book in the first person, and I thought, um, to do that, I have to give her more than seven or eight minutes' worth of memories, or else obviously yeah. just be continually be beginning the same paragraph almost. Um, but s but um, since I've kind of finished the book, I've actually learned of a few cases that of people who do seem to have exactly the same condition, and one in particular was quite chilling, because she's the same age as my character and also had a car accident, which caused her, her memory condition. So I think it does exist. Yeah. Um, would you yeah. ever would you ever want to meet somebody who had that who had that condition? Do you think? I, I, um, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, and thrust a journal into their hands, <laughs> telling them <laughs> dark things about their lives. No, yeah. but would 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 because I mean your 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 background is not is not the background of you know of a you didn't do English at university. You studied no, physics and you worked in the no. NHS mm. as an audiologist. An audiologist, which is hearing imbalance. Hearing yeah. imbalance. Hearing okay. imbalance. And and so you know you were you your story of publication is, is very interesting because mm. you were writing kind of on the evenings on yeah. the on the weekends. Yeah. This is a very inspirational story for the many writers <laughs> that I know are out there. Yeah. Tell us about how it came to be. Well, you know, I've I've always written, but it and it's always been you know. I remember when I was a, a child, of kind of thinking, you know, that kind of cliche question about what you wanted, what do you want to do when you grow up? And it was always be a be a writer. It was always be a you know, have a novel published and write stories and, and entertain people in that way. Um, but uh, people said to me, you know, uh, careers people at school in particular said, you know, it's not a very stable career and there's not very much money in it and maybe you should get a real job instead. <laughs> uh, and I Have you sent your careers advisor your book? No. That <laughs> 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 can English be a lot of Christmas present. You sent <laughs> it to your yeah. English teacher. Yeah. Um, he was always, always very supportive. But no, so I've always written, but it was always a hobby. But then kind of the older I got, I think, the more I sort of thought this is no, it's never going to quite be enough, it just being a hobby. And I need to really give it a serious... It's a cliche, but I, I didn't want to be at the, towards the end of my life and look back and thinking, well, I never did quite get around to, to really trying to finish a book and get a book published. I'd rather look back on my life and think, well, at least I had a go. So you did the inaugural Faber writing mm. course, which yeah. is what, six months or something? It's a six-month course, yeah. It's one evening a week and one Saturday a month. How many people in the class? In my class, there were six okay. of us. Okay, yeah. and what is the objective? Do you write a novel every week? You put doing your chapter, um, or how does it work? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm being teacherish about it, but no, it, it, it kind of it varied for a lot for different people. I mean, some of the people on the course were quite a long way into a draft of a book, and other people really had not really any idea what they even wanted to write about. So we're all at kind of different stages, but yeah, we kind of each of us had four sessions during the six months in which we presented a, a good chunk of work and sort of several thousand words to our classmates and, and, uh, and, and critiqued each other's work, which I've never been more terrified in my entire life than when I kind of gave the opening chapter, which is pretty much what I've just read out to. Ooh, to get you, hardly yeah. changed at all, it's yes. It's my best seller. Yeah, it's changed hugely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I can ask Claire later, it's fine. <laughs> um, 
so so you, you you were very nervous about sharing that and you and you did yeah. and and you worked on that over the co- now did you have this whole novel kind of did it, did it come to you as a, as a completely formed idea or were you finding your way as you went with it kind of a bit of but the character came completely formed christine's character came in one kind of thunderbolt almost and right and i kind of did feel i sort of knew her um pretty much straight away which kind of sound, sounds kind of weird i think but um yeah it was inspired by an ob- obituary that i read of a man who had a had a memory condition and um a, a memory loss condition, and, and so Christine's character came pretty much, but uh, the sort of story. So why, kind of d- just with the character, you choosing to write in a female voice, because a lot of people, mm. you know, your your SJ, which stands for Stephen John, Stephen John, not <laughs> Stephen June or any <laughs> of those things, um, and uh, and you chose to write in a female character very consciously. I mean, was that challenging for you? I hate as- answering this question because if I said no, it makes it like an arrogant. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it kind of yeah, there were some challenges. Um, would it be you know I mean would it have been hard if you to write as a kind of late middle aged straight man as opposed to yeah yeah I exactly. think it would because it's um with lots of reasons I think one of the things I really wanted to do with this was to, to was to write something which is completely different from my story uh, and and I didn't think I was in this book at all um, of course now I've got a little bit of distance from it because that I'm I'm in everything I'm you know I'm there I'm in this book where are you where am I well it's about somebody who kind of looks back on their life and sort of and thinks is this it is is this have I have I um, I had all these ambitions and dreams and aspirations as a as a young person and this is where I've ended up and I think that's kind of yeah (laughs) yeah now I'm very happy but at the time I was thinking about writing it I was having this kind of well you know my life wasn't awful by any respect you know I wasn't doing what I wanted to be doing so I think in that respect I'm in the book I mean the central character um Christy is is a novelist, and she mm. has she 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 has a a novel which has been which has been published, mm. and so that's one of the memories that eventually eventually comes comes yeah. back to her. Yeah. And the, the the title of the novel, because I know that you wrote many novels or tried many novels <laughs> before you got to. I was wondering, was that a novel that you had tried in the past? No, or okay, it fine. It came from a really obscure mm-hmm. song by my favourite um, um, musician. And interesting, just Who's the other that? day, not that I'll know because I know um, nothing about music. A woman called Kristen Hirsch. But the other day, I um I um. I had an email, which was no, a Twitter message actually from a band in America who read Before I Go to Sleep and written a song called For the Morning Birds, which is the name of my character's novel, inspired by the book. So a song was inspired, the, a story which has inspired another song. That's so postmodern, I can't even yeah. stand it. <laughs> yeah. Actually going to eat myself, it's so <laughs> postmodern. So, and how, how, has your, how has your life changed since having this kind of wild success? Well, the biggest way it's changed is uh, is I can just devote my time now to doing what I love doing, which is writing, fairly obviously. Hopefully. And you played right into my hands. <laughs> what is your next book going to be? Right. my next. We did talk about this, and I said, yeah. is he going to read something from his next book? And, and it's I like, no, no, I, can, I can't do that. Probably not. And I said, I can live with those odds. But, I mean, <laughs> you are... Are you writing? Should you be writing? Should you ever... But, I mean, after such a huge success, or do you just feel you have to sit down and do it, you know? Well, I'm kind of driven. I'm not really. A, I'm. I'm kind of driven to write anyway. I think mm. it's just. I realise more and more that I'm not really a kind of very pleasant person to be around <laughs> if, if you I haven't written. Yeah. Um, so do you write every day? I try to. Yeah. I ca- we can ask his boyfriend who lives with him as well for f- c- to corroborate this evidence. No, you can't. No, but you. <laughs> d- no, but you. You do. You do uh, try and. Write I d- yeah. Day. I no. mean, I, I try and do something every day. Okay. Um, even if it's just you know a few words of utter rubbish. I quite often get asked by people, you know, how do you do it? What's the secret? And I always say, you know, you need to be prepared to write crap. Um, mm. You know, you need to not be too hard on yourself. And so, yeah, even if I, I write a few words of crap every day, and it right. turns into this. <laughs> 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 so, th- going back to um, the question of what is next, is yeah. it? 
because the word genre is bandied around a lot and it's used defensively and yeah. it's like oh it's genre fiction um you know that means you know it's sold a lot and therefore isn't as good as something that sold 2,000 copies in hardback yes that speaks to the voice of envy um <laughs> so so uh, you, when you set out to write this i know you didn't set out to write a thriller are you setting out to write some do you feel like oh i have to do another book like this or are you going to um, do something totally no, different no i don't think i can i can really think like that i mean it's a, I think it's a Stephen King quote, but he said, you know, you need to write the first draft with the door closed and, and not really caring about what anybody else thinks, and that's what I'm trying to do. So, and, and that's what I did with this book. I never really sat down to... I didn't think, what genre do I want to write in? And that's not how I, that's not how I read, and it's not how I write. I, I, I just write... Is this the sort of book that you would, that you would normally read? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to say no, am I? No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You might. <laughs> you might go, no, but I, I, I'm happy to write it and cash the royalty checks, but I'm certainly yeah, not going to read mean, it. No. I you would be surprised, some of the people we've had in here, I can tell you. I, w I won't name names. I will, later. Um, um, yeah, it is. I mean, I, lo I love story, and I love books that have that, that plot as an engine, and that you want mm. to find out what happens to the characters. Yeah, and you do with this, I have to yeah. say, absolutely, it gallops along, and I find, I find myself being impatient the and very anxious. The word zips now, since the book is it zipped? Zipped? Oh, zipped? Oh, zipped, zipped. Along, is it oh is God, okay, yeah. yes, zipped. <laughs> um, the film, are you going to be involved in that at all? No. No, not no. at all. So you don't, have you been playing fantasy casting games? Uh, I haven't, actually, no. Oh, I come mean, on, uh, <laughs> That is such a lie. Oh, I wrote a huge best time book in the film rights. I haven't, I haven't thought about who's going to play my central character. No, not Judy Dench. I thought I'd no. be able to get away with my standard answers here. No, um, no, no yeah. not those. I couldn't possibly say. Who do you want to play, Chrissy? Um. Julie Walters. Brent yeah, actually. Yeah, Julie Walters. Or, would be or, or, or Brenda Blethen. Or Brenda Blethen would be good, actually. Yeah. She's, yeah. yeah all that. Ju Julie Walters, yeah. Good. Excellent. Good. That's a good answer. I, I, I approve of all of your choices about your own book <laughs> to film adaptation. A huge thank you, please, to S.J. Watson. You. Thank you.